The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 26, 2023. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Oh, what a great day here in Sonoma County. Oh, I have a very special guest with me this morning. Joining me in the studio is Barbara Walsh, who is a past member of the Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury. Amazing. They made the front page today at the Press Democrat, and we're going to be able to talk about that little issue. There's so much uh, has been in the news about the grand jury and the responsibilities it has. I thought it would be informative informative to explore our local grand jury to get some history and find out how it works and also how people can get involved. Well, I have a few shout outs today. You know, first of all, I want to say happy happy birthday to my brother, Mark Howard Kelman Holt, 75 years strong. Oh, my God. Mark is my baby brother, and I love him dearly. I wish him a joyous, joyous year. And also, I had the honor yesterday, uh, Ken and I went to a wonderful birthday party at Susan Lamont's house. It was just beautiful, and it's, it's, I want to do a happy birthday to Susan. Uh, her sister Janet, her cousin Gillian. It's very interesting. Susan and Gillian were born three days apart to mothers who were identical twins. Also, our own uh, director here, uh, president of KBBF, uh, Alicia Sanchez. It was her birthday. And also a real dear friend of mine, Robin Latham. It was also her birthday. And these women, in my mind, are true activists. We've been friends for years and years, and we do exactly what John Lewis said. We make a lot of good trouble. So a real shout-out to them, and happy birthday. And I wish them a, a, a joyous year and a life full of good health and loving relationships. I mean, and it was an amazing party, Susan, if you're listening. And I also want to do another shout out. You know, I'm going to be interviewing uh, a woman from the uh, civil grand jury here in Sonoma County, and they have an act of confidentiality. So she's there's certain things she cannot tell me. However, this is a very small town and things come out really quickly. And I want to do a, a shout out. And I got this information. I want to make it very clear from Jerry Treat, who is the former uh, director of Iolero here in Sonoma County. I want to do a shout out to Katrina Phillips, who is from the Human Rights Commission, for bringing some issues forward to the grand jury and that they were able to implement and make some suggestions for our county. And that is so important when you think about it, that we have all these different areas of law and information. And that's what that's what makes us a democracy. And, you know, I was listening to some of the stuff that's going on around, uh, around Trump and the indictment. And I'm listening to some of the issues around lying and, and, and these evangelicals and all these different things. And the question I have for everybody, if you really believe yourself to be a Christian, I mean, they're saying that Christians, that somehow he's been anointed. I, I don't understand how that goes, but that somehow he has been chosen. Well, you know, 
I don't know. It seems like people are throwing away the ideas in the Constitution, and they're also throwing away the Ten Commandments. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Well, what do you think that is? That's lying. Bearing false witness is lying. And it's one of the commandments that says we're not supposed to do that. And here we're hearing it time after time, lie after lie. I mean, you know, we live, we are so lucky to live in this country with a level of freedom that we can go to the polls and vote. You know, that women put their lives on the line to vote. You know, African Americans with the civil rights, I mean, I remember seeing dogs being thrown on young children who were, happened to just be black just because their parents wanted the right to go and vote. And that's part of our way of life. And I don't understand how people want to chip away. What, what do we want? Do we want a dictatorship? We don't want a democracy? I mean, I have to scratch my head. You know, look at your children. You know, get up when you get up in the morning, you're getting them ready for school and everything. Ask yourself, what kind of world do I want for my child? What do I want them to have? And for my mind, you know, I want them to have, live in a free country. You know, my grandmother came over from Russia. And when she voted the first time, I was about, uh, I think I was about eight years old. I remember we all went to the poll, and my grandmother finally voted. It took her 35 years to become a citizen in the United States. Back then, um, I mean, they didn't have all this rigmarole. You just came in, you know, you were sponsored, and then eventually you would become a citizen. But it took her 35 years because of the language barrier. And when she came out of the polls, I remember asking her, you know, Grandma, why do you like America so much? And she says, because in America, nobody's going to knock down your doors and pull you away. And I, I never forgot that. I never forgot that statement from her. She came from a very oppressive world to a land that she felt was free. And when I listen to some of these lies and some of this going on, I think of my grandmother. I think of her travel with her sister on the boat from Russia. With two, They had two loaves of bread, each one of them, to come to this country for freedom. I mean, it just, it just chokes me up. It really does. Well, that's enough of my blah, blah, little rant. But, you know, I can't help but say something. You know, I'm a great-grandmother. I look at my two great-grandchildren and I say to myself, what is their world going to be like? And I hope in some small ways we contribute to making it a better world. And I'm, I'm really impressed about what the uh, Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury has done. It gives you a sense of what democracy is all about. And it also gives you a sense of citizens coming together and doing something, oftentimes to right the wrong, but mainly to make suggestions on how we can be a better community, how we can be a better place to live, how we can improve our democracy and our way of life. Lots to think about, folks, but you know that's what Women's Spaces is all about. Well, one last thing I have to say is, you know, this is the end of the month. I can't believe this is the last show of June. Where did it go? <laughs> I mean, you know, we and happy solstice, everybody. June twenty first was the was the summer solstice. You know, I never even knew about solstice until I met Ken. I mean, it's amazing how much he's educated me on certain things. Well, as we do every every Monday, we do the segment on our history is our strength, and I'm going to repeat it again. Why do I do this every Monday? Because our history is our strength. Why is it our strength? It tells us what we've done right. 
It tells us what we've done wrong. It tells us how we can improve ourselves. History is very important. And if it wasn't important, there wouldn't be such a burst of energy from some of these groups that want to ban books and want to do all kinds of different things to prevent us from knowing the truth of what happened. Because if we don't know the truth, we can't make it better or we can't just support it, if you know what I mean. So let's look at our history. Today is June 26th, but we're going to talk about June 25th in 1903. This is very interesting to me. Marie Curie defends her doctoral thesis on radioactive substances at the University of Sabon in Paris, becoming the first woman, the first woman in 1903, becoming the first woman to receive a doctoral degree. And, you know, it's very interesting because Madame Curie, you know, unfortunately, you know, because she was dealing with radiation, it actually killed her. You know, and her history is very important because, you know, we think, oh, you know, nuclear war and all that. You know, this is no joke. You know, it, you know, radioactivity is not fun. It takes lives, and it definitely took her life, but she, she made a tremendous contribution. And another person who made a contribution, who is one of my heroes, because when I think of what this woman went through, I say to myself, my goodness, how did she accomplish what she accomplished? And we're going to do a happy birthday. She was born June 27th. 1880, wow, and she made her transition in 1968, and that was Helen Keller, an advocate for people with disabilities. She was a writer and a lecturer. This woman, at the age of three, suddenly became blind and totally deaf, and yet she made so many contributions. It was just amazing. It was just amazing. Folks should encourage their young, if you have young women out there, to read the story of Helen Keller. It is so inspiring. And when we think of all of us who have all our faculties, just think of what we can accomplish if we would set our minds to it. Well, here's another one of my favorite people, and I'm sure everybody remembers this person. She was born June 28, 1946, and she made her transition excuse me, in 1989, that was Gilda Radner. I don't know if you remember uh, Susanna Wawana. She played as she was a comedian and an original cast member of Saturday Night Live. And, you know, my for my generation, Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live was such a big deal. But I got to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a little story. At one point in my life, I was a cocktail waitress, believe it or not, on the Sunset Strip. And when I worked at a place called Galaxy, I used to have to go and we would do the first dance. And I did this first dance with this beautiful young African-American man. I can't even remember his name, but I'll tell you one thing. He ended up on Saturday Night Live. And I I remember that when I saw him the first time on, on television, I said, oh my God, that's the guy that I danced with every Saturday night to be the first person on the dance floor. So it's just a little bit little bit of trivia. Anyway, we have another birthday here. This is another woman who I think is very, very interesting. She was born June 29th, 1858, and made her transition in 1932, only two years after, uh, only 12 years after we actually got the vote was Julia Lathrop. She was a social reformer in the era of education, social policy, and children's welfare. Very important, children's welfare. She was the first woman ever to head the United States Federal Bureau. What was it? She was the head of the United States Federal Bureau of what? 
Oh, the United States Children's Bureau, and she served from 1912 to 1922. But the whole idea, you know, when I looked her up, Julia Lathrop, I, at that time, believe it or not, there were no there were no work laws for children. You know, children at five, six years old could go to work. You know, and these were the women who stepped up and said, uh-uh, we need to give our children education, really, very, very important. And, you know, one of the things about women's spaces, what I try to do all the time is bring the diversity of women because black women have made tremendous, tremendous contributions. White women have made tremendous contributions. And Japanese women, particularly those who suffered from their families going into internment during the Second World War. So on June 29th, that's when this woman was born in 1897. Wow. And she made her transition in 1992. And her name was Kazui Takasaki. She was a a physician who pioneered a place in medicine for women of Japanese ancestry and one of the few physicians, one of the few, a woman, a few physicians allowed to practice medicine in the Japanese internment camps during World War II. Wow. Can you imagine this woman going in, seeing families and knowing and knowing they were United States citizens? And they were put into this internment. I mean, it was, I, I just can't imagine, you know, I was, I was just, let's see, in, um, when it happened, I was born in 1940, so this happened in about 1941, and I just can't imagine that. You know, it reminds me, it reminds me on some levels of what was happening in Germany, although they didn't quite do the same kind of treatment. It still, it still was not, um, Let's say it was not a happy event, and we're still we're still paying for that. We really are as a country. But you know something? That's why our history is so important. This was a mistake. Okay, this should not have happened, but it did happen. And now we have the chance, because we have the history of it, we have the chance to say, hey, wait a minute. Maybe we, we better not do that again. You know, maybe it's not the right thing. But that's what a democracy is all about. You know, we're not perfect. You know, people complain about the United States. We have a right to complain. That's what free speech is all about. That's why they put free speech in there so we could protest against our government because they came from a place where you could not protest against your government. So there's a lot to think about, and that's what Women's Spaces is all about. We put our thinking hats on because as women, we need to stand up. We need to let our voices be heard. We need to say enough is enough. We want a better world for our children. We want to make sure they have safety. That's when we need gun control. We want to make sure they have good health care. That's why we need medical for all. And we want to make sure that they live in a world of peace. That's why we have to sit down at the table and start debating back and forth and having conversations on how we can end these darn wars all across the globe. I mean, it's really ridiculous. Well... One of the things we do at the last, at the last uh, Monday of the month is to enhance our confidence is we do the Women's Spaces Pledge. And as I told you over and over again, I did this for my grandson, Ryan, who's now a father of two children himself. And it was to help him understand that nobody defines who he is. He does the best he can in the world, but nobody defines him. So I wrote the Room and Spaces Pledge for him. And about, when, oh, I'd say about two years into the radio, I said, what could I do to get people to hold on to my card? So I went and put the Women's Spaces Pledge on the back of the card, and that's what we're going to do. So if you guys are driving, 
Don't close your eyes. Don't relax. Just listen. And for you at home, if you want, find a nice chair, sit down, kind of relax, and kind of take it. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say the pledge, and then I'm going to ask Barbara and Ken if they will repeat it and say it with me, and then we'll say it one last time, and then we're going to take a musical break. Okay, here we go. The Women's Spaces Pledge. First, I'm going to say it. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Now, just think about that for a minute. And now I'm going to ask Ken and Barbara. I'm going to say it first, and then you repeat after me. Okay, we'll go one, two, three. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. Does not depend. Does not not depend. depend On anything. On anything. On anything. Outside of me. Outside outside of of me. My self-esteem, my self-esteem depends, depends, depends on my relationship, on my on relationship, relationship with myself, with, with myself, myself, and my higher power, and my, and my higher, higher power. power. Oh, you guys are good. Go to the head of the class. <laughs> Yay! I love it when I have people in the studio with me that can say the pledge. So it's think about what pledge. it says. Well, thank you, Barbara. Think about what it says. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. That means nobody defines you. You know, nobody defines you. And my self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. What that means is that you learn how to work with your own self as well as other people. And that there's some sort of mystery around or some sort of belief system that gives you that strength. However you choose it. Some people choose God. Some people choose Jesus. Some people choose, you know, a flower. I mean, everybody has their own idea of what a higher power is. But there's something in our lives. You know, when I look at my own my own world and I look, I reflect back. I was talking to my friend Ari uh, when we were at the party, and we were talking about how you reflect on your on your life and you see some of the things that happened to you. And I always laughed there when I was a young kid. I used to go to the movies and I saw this uh, movie. It was called Perils of Pauline. And Pauline, every time you turn around, she was either on a railroad track or someone was kidnapping her, but she always got out of it. She always got out of it. Somehow something came along and just saved her. Well, in my life too, and I'm sure everybody out there can say the same thing, something would happen and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you're, you're rescued and everything becomes okay. So just remind yourself, my self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. And I got to tell folks, I read it five times When I'm coming to the studio in the car, I read that pledge five times to give me the confidence because I know, you know, radio, you don't want to have any dead time. You got to keep talking. You got to keep working. I have to write a script. All those different things that that take place to put this show together. I have to remind myself that I'm just doing the best I can. That, by the way, that's why I call myself Elaine B., you know, Elaine B., doing the best you can, beautiful child of the universe, be here now, and we're, we're also beekeepers. So maybe try that with your middle initial. Try to give yourself something positive. And for all you folks out there who are parents, I really recommend this. Read this to your kids before they go to school because so many of us, when we go to school, the judgments, the bullies, the things that happen to us, you know, we think we're giving our kids this wonderful, wonderful life and they go to school and something happens because they don't feel good about themselves. And it's very important that they do. Well, that's a lot to hang on to. That's 
a lot to think about, but that's what we do every morning on Monday morning, the first 15 minutes or so, to do a little bit of a of a discussion about these wonderful, wonderful ideas and thoughts. Well, we're going to take a musical break, and the song I'm going to play is If I Can Dream, sung by Karina Jarak. And the reason the reason that I picked this song is because you know, it's, it's, it's about democracy today, and we're all dreaming about a better world. And originally, by the way, this show was written, uh, this song was written for Elvis Presley when he did his comeback tour. But I just love the way this woman does it. And, you know, many of us feel the same way. I know I do when I hear this song. And the idea behind the grand jury is to give citizens a voice. To give them a voice, to have help some of their dreams of a better world come true. And when we return, like I said, joining me in the studio is Barbara Walsh. She's a past member of the Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury. I'm looking forward to this conversation and hope this interview might answer a few questions we each have about grand juries, about our own grand jury here in Sonoma County and the history and its responsibility. So let's go ahead, Ken, and play If I Can Dream.
It just gives me chills. It's so beautiful. If I can dream. Well, I think sometimes I'm dreaming all the time. I dream of, you know, it was interesting when they asked Susan Lamont during her birthday when she was going to blow out the candle, what was her wish? And she just said, the same wish I have all the time. I just wish for peace on earth. And I... I just had to say right on, Susan. I just love her. Anyway, for you folks just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members are Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me in the studio, Barbara Walsh, who's a past member of Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury. Welcome, Barbara. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's very interesting. You know, not only that, I found out a little secret about Barbara. This is her first time that she's even been on the radio. So I'm really excited about that. Well, Barbara, is it okay if I tell folks just a little bit about you? That would be fine. Oh, I just love your bio. It was really very, very interesting. Well, after two years of retirement, first of all, uh, Barbara Welsh is a past member of the Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury. She holds a law degree from San Francisco Law School. She has worked with two in a true attorney offices and after 40 years of service, retired in 2019. Wow, that's a while. (laughs) After two years of retirement, she applied to serve on the Sonoma County Grand Jury. She did so because she wanted to do something to help the community. While her law practice was fulfilling, she did not feel that she was contributing in a meaningful way to her community. Service on the Grand Jury filled that need for her. Barbara also has a B.A. degree in French from UC Davis, and although she majored in French, she also studied Spanish and Russia. Barbara's hobbies are spending time with her family. She has three beautiful sons and a wonderful 11-year-old granddaughter. Boy, I can relate to granddaughters. They're wonderful. Uh, Taking care of her pets, she has a horse, a cat, a parrot, and a parakeet, and loves to go horseback riding and reading. And she has been happily married for 47 years to her husband. What's your husband's name? Bob. She's been happily married to Bob for 47 years. I believe you met him in law school. No, I met him at UC Davis. Oh, while you were studying languages. Yes, of our second year. And I met him when he brought a bunch of wine and other goodies to the dorm and dropped those things off along with its croquet set. And (laughs) I played croquet and was hitting someone else's ball into the next commons, and he said, who is that? And it was me. 47 years later. Well, that's a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful story. Well, Barbara, you know, Women's Spaces really likes to inspire other women, you know, and I and I know we're going to talk about the grand jury. That's the, the main focus. But still, I'd like folks to just know a little bit about you and also to understand one of the things that, that Barbara wanted to make clear is that you really don't necessarily have to be an attorney to be on the grand jury. But although she is one, we're going to talk about that. So talk about what inspired you to become a lawyer. I mean, here you are, you get your your BA in languages, and now you're going to law school. And who influenced you in that area? Well, I became inspired when, after I got out of college, I was working as a secretary at an insurance firm, and I was a very poor secretary. (laughs) I filled my wastebasket each day with things that I had messed up, 
and I was not going far. So I voiced my frustrations uh, and um, talked with my mother, who was quite inspirational and also a very good friend, um, his mother, who was the dean of McGeorge, Florence Luther. I have to give her a shout-out. She was a wonderful woman. She inspired me to go to law school. That's an amazing story. You know, I've got to tell you a story. When I went to New York, I lived in, when I was 18, I went to New York, and I, my first job was at a publishing company, and they needed a typist. I had two typing awards, but the typing awards were in for manual typewriters, not electric typewriters. So I had to sit down in an electric typewriter, and I was stuffing my bra and my pants and everything I had with papers. And, finally and whiteout. Right. There was no whiteout. There was no whiteout back then. They had no way of correction. And two days after they hired me, the woman came up and said, Elaine, I don't think this is the right place for you. So I can totally relate to that. Well, you graduated from San Francisco Law School in 1979, which is very interesting because, you know, I was very involved in the women's studies at Sonoma State, and I know that was the around the time it was still it was the new wave, the second wave of women. What kind of challenges? What were some of your challenges you faced as a woman at that time? And and where did you get your confidence? Because I know you had to come overcome certain barriers. Well, um, first of all, I had a very difficult time finding a job, even though I passed the bar on the first try. I continued working at University of California, where I had worked full-time while I was in law school, and I looked for jobs in Sonoma County. Very few of the firms responded. They were all overseen by men. Uh, One responded and said that he, he found my resume interesting, but he currently had his quota of female attorneys. <laughs> what was that quota? One or yeah, half? The quota was one. <laughs> <laughs> and so another of the attorneys I had corresponded with took a chance on me, as he put it, and hired me. And he was a wonderful man. Uh, he really taught me a lot. Um, And the way I learned, which was a little scary, my first day I had a trial in the afternoon. In the morning, he took me around and introduced me to the judges and the other attorneys at the workers' comp board. And then he said, well, you have a trial at 1, so you might want to skip lunch and prepare for that. Oh, my goodness. This was your first day? Yes. Oh, wow. And my second day, I had a deposition of a doctor in San Francisco, I was terrified, but I think I got my confidence from being marginally all right (laughs) with those things that I had to do immediately, and I thought, well, I can do this. Well, you know, it's really interesting because the most important thing in that story is here you were scared to death. It was your first day of job, but you and you found the confidence by saying, well, I'm just going to do it. And that's the most important thing to recognize. In spite of your nervousness, in spite of the first time, in spite of being a woman who has to prove herself, you know, because there's so few women that were being hired at that time, you still did it. Exactly. And that's where, that's where, that's the most important thing is that to do it in spite 
So congratulations on that. Well, you retired, you know, after 40 years. You know, what in, in when you think about those 40 years, maybe what was one case or one, one challenge that you faced in that time that you, really stands out in your mind? Well, it's difficult to say because I handled so many cases. Uh, in my field, when I represented injured workers, I had usually a caseload of about 400. Oh my and then when I represented employers, I had a caseload of at least 120 or so. Um, but I do remember one in particular, a very sweet man who was a truck driver who had been very seriously injured in an accident. And his employer denied being his employer and said he was an independent contractor. And so that case took me quite a while. I did a lot of depositions. We went to trial, and we won on the issue that he was an employee and not an independent contractor. And so he got a lot of benefits, which lasted the rest of his life, which unfortunately was not too much longer, but uh, I really helped him out, and that was quite rewarding. So it sounds like you had cases that, you know, where people were denying things, a lot of things around employee relations. Relations, etc. Yes, I did handle a lot of those. Yes. Well, congratulations. I, you know, I'm so happy that you're able to tell this story because one of the things that I love about women's spaces is listening. Other women are listening just to encourage them and to know that you can do it if you want to. So let's take a little musical break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury. I'm really looking forward to that. And the song I'm going to be playing is "Singing for Our Lives," sung by Holly Near. And the reason I pick that song is because I think ladies and gentlemen out there we are singing for our lives these days so let's go ahead uh, Ken and play that and when we come back we will be continuing our conversation with Barbara Welsh who was a past member of the Sonoma County Grand Jury actually she was just they just ended a cycle and she was part of that cycle so we're going to have a very interesting conversation about the the Grand Jury give it a little history etc let's go ahead Ken
for our lives. Boy, there's so much at stake these days. It's amazing. But I'm going to tell you a little trivia. When I first came on in 1976 at KBBF, the first song I played was one by Holly Near, and I actually interviewed her. It was amazing. Well, anyway, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt, and we are continuing, I am continuing my conversation with Barbara Walsh, who's a past member of the Sonoma County uh, Civil Grand Jury. Well, welcome back again, Barbara. You know, I have a few questions for you. Well, now let's talk about the Civil Grand Jury of Sonoma County. Can you give us a little bit of history? And, you know, it's really interesting. Go ahead, give us a little bit of history, All what right. you found out about the grand jury. Well, the grand jury is extremely old. It actually originated in England over a 1,000 years ago. And then when the Massachusetts Bay Colony set up in the U.S. in the 1600s, they established the first formal grand jury in 1635. Wow. In California, the original Constitution in 1849 provided that every county would have a grand jury. So it's a very old institution, and it's strange that it's so old and yet really so few people know about it, especially the civil grand jury. Yeah, I, I know. I knew very little about it. But, you know, I just there's another. The grand jury can be said to have, in 2015, to have celebrated its 800th birthday, 800 years that we have been struggling and trying to pull our laws together and give citizen representation. It's just amazing. Well, thank you so much for about that little history. Now, you know, you were – you – applied and you had you have a year's term what did you work on this year and what were the results and and how but before we do that how did you get on the grand jury how what's the process you went through well i filled out an application which at the time was not online but now it is it's easy to go to the the link which is if you go on Safari and you go to Sonoma County Civil Grand Jury application, the form will come up, and you can just fill out the form online. And um, the requirements are you need to be a citizen, you need to be over the age of 18, and you need to have resided in the county at least six months. Um, you need to be proficient in English, and you need to have some basic computer skills, although they do provide computer training. The big thing is you need to have time. <laughs> it is a year-long commitment, and the time involved is anywhere from about 10 hours a week to 20 hours a week or so when it's really hopping and we're doing interviews. Oh, so you interview, you actually interview people in the county? Is that- we do. So 
what happens is people file what used to be called complaints, and now they're called requests for investigation. And I really want to put the information out there. Um, In order to file a request for investigation, you need not be a citizen. You need not be a resident. You need not be proficient in English. They do translate the requests for investigation. That's a form that's online. It's very easy to fill out, and it goes to the grand jury. So if anyone wants to have something investigated about how the county is run or departments in the county or anything about how the cities are run or the schools or special districts like the smart train, they could file a request for investigation. So what you're saying it is it's open to all people. If they if they feel there's an issue that they feel that's not right in the county, they can they can file with you. Well, good. That that exactly. gets us to our next our next thing. And it's so interesting because this morning when we got up, Ken pointed out that here it was jury fault Sonoma County. <laughs> I guess this was on the uh, the warming uh, the warming center issues. So wh- why don't we talk about what you worked on? Of course, we're, let's talk about that. You know, what did you work on this year, and what were the results? What, what, just give us one thing, or give us if you want to give us an overview, maybe of what you worked on. Well, first, I want to say the grand jury has several committees. There's law and justice, there's city and special districts, and there's the county committee. And I was lucky enough to be on the county committee, which did this investigation on the warming centers issue. And I can't really talk about it more than that, except to say there were six of us on the committee. We interviewed 14 different people. Some were county officials. Some were members of the public. Some were members of nonprofits. And we were very careful to verify our information. So we got a complaint about this lack of alleged lack of adequate warming centers. And the way we consider it is everything is an allegation until it's verified. And then once it's verified, it becomes a fact. And then once we have these facts, we can make recommendations. And the recommendations are like findings. So that's that was our process. And uh, it was fairly lengthy. We got uh, the complaint. Actually, last year's grand jury got the complaint in April of, that would be 2022. They didn't have time to get to it. And so my jury did have the time. And so we started our investigation in about um, September, October. And we just finished it around March or so of this year. Uh, so we, we did a lot of interviews, we did a lot of research, and then we started writing the report. And the report writing is also extremely time-consuming. It goes through different committees. It's reviewed by county council. It's reviewed by the presiding judge. All of that is done before the report becomes public. So we're very careful about what we say and what we recommend. I noticed a report came with the Press Democrat on Sunday. That's when I first got the report. I, I believe it was Sunday because I remember I called, I called, I believe the gentleman's name was Peter, Peter 
Moshwitz. Right, he's yes. the, the person that contacted he's me. He's the foreperson of the grand jury. Right, and then he introduced me to you. So what what happens after you give the report? Can do, can people can find the information on the grand jury website? It's all there, right? Yes, the full report is on the website. What came out in the Press Democrat was just the summaries of all the different reports that the grand jury as a whole prepared. But the the big report, which is the full um, non-summary report, is on the website. Well, you know, I have to remind my folks, or remind my folks, the reason that we, that what's so powerful about a democracy is that you have to put the reports, you have to inform the public of what went on. It's nothing behind, behind closed doors or one person making the decision. So that's amazing. Well, that, you know, it's, it's very, very important that people understand this, that it's, you know, it is affecting our daily lives. But at the same time, there's so much going on about grand juries across the United States. So explain Explain the difference between the civil grand jury and what it really does, and then the, the bigger grand jury that what we're talking about when it comes to what happened with, with Trump's case, for example, went to the grand jury. What, what, is, what are the distinctions? Well, Trump's grand jury is a criminal grand jury, and in Sonoma County, we don't have a criminal grand jury. A criminal grand jury might have been fun, but <laughs> the civil grand jury is probably more effective for the citizenry and produces more results, I think, because it's a watchdog group that investigates complaints of the citizens or it investigates on its own. It can self-initiate investigations. If we, as a whole, think, oh, there's an issue with something about how the counties or cities or schools, etc., are run. We can self-initiate an investigation. Oh, that's interesting too. So then, the criminal is more focused on criminality, where the civil is is the community as, as a whole. It's the community watchdog right. as a whole. Well, that's interesting. It really is. Now, now I imagine you get many cases. How do you decide? I mean, what what is the deciding factor? Well, we we don't get cases. We get complaints. Oh, complaints. I forgot. <laughs> and um, next year, this for the next grand jury, it will be requests for investigation, which is the nice way of saying complaints. They changed it from complaint to requests for investigation. So what happens is the grand jury as a whole receives the request for investigation, and we all talk about it as a group, which is called plenary, and we decide whether it affects a large enough audience within the county that, and that it would have some impact to help the county and its citizens if we were to undertake an investigation. If it's just a personal gripe someone has about the next-door neighbor's dog, for instance, we would not investigate. And we did receive a lot of, or no, I shouldn't say a lot, some kind of loopy requests. Um, but uh, we did receive a, a number of quite valid requests for investigation, and we have to undertake review 
and investigation of the ones we think will most benefit the community. So who does the investigations? We do. The, the, the members. The members they the, actually, we have no staff. Because of our confidentiality, we do everything. We don't publish. We, we do hire publishers. But we do all the work of the investigation and the writing. So you, you do the writing, and then your writing is reviewed. You said you go to all these various different other entities, and they approve or disapprove. So what impact do you think? Well, you had the article in the paper, but what impact do you think they have, even, if, say, past issues that, were, that happened in the community? Uh, I think that it does have a lot of impact because I think that our recommendations promote change and improvements. Even if they aren't completely followed, I think that they do promote a lot of some changes and um, and the public entities are duty-bound to respond they are required to respond. They have to respond. So sometimes they say, well, that's a good idea, but we don't have the money. Or they say, well, that's a bad idea. Or they say, that's a great idea and we are going to do this, which is what the county is apparently in the process of saying with regard to the warming centers. And I find that really gratifying. Well, sure, because you're part of that. You know, like you said, you're there to help make change. Well, I was a minor part of it. I was one of six, and I was not one of the report writers. I have to say, um, a couple of my very good colleagues who were really good writers, one in particular who knows who he is out there, uh, was the main writer. Um, We all found our strengths, which is one thing I really enjoyed about this this committee I was on is so we all worked together. What strength did you find out about yourself? Well, I've, I'm very good at talking to people and interviewing people, probably from my past work as an attorney. Oh, we but should turn was, you into a radio host. <laughs> <laughs> but it was completely... I, I want to emphasize to everyone who's listening, it's completely unnecessary to be an attorney to apply, and it actually might cause some hindrance. Um, so my strength was talking to people and inter- coming up with questions and interviewing our witnesses. We had another woman who was really a wonderful record keeper who also knew what questions to ask. And we were all wonderful. So I, not so much myself, but everyone else on the committee was really great. Well, it sounds like you work as a team. It seems like there's a lot of opinions that are, that are put forward and that it's not one person making a decision. And then after it's written, everybody has to decide on whether that's appropriate or not. That's exactly true. We work as a team within the one committee, and then as a whole, the plenary of 19, we all work together. We don't always disagree, we don't always agree on every little thing, but we really came together as a whole to decide the important questions. So you probably have to negotiate and, you know, go back and forth. Like some people are real passionate about it. Some people are going, oh, well, I don't know if that important. And then you have to come to some sort of, is it consensus or is it, how, how is it? We actually vote. 
So you vote? Yes, we vote. We have to have a super majority on anything we vote on in order for it to pass. And for this, the super majority is 12. Wow, that's, it's so interesting. I mean, I just really appreciate learning about this. I mean, it gives me a little tickle, you know, but I, not that well, I you like, should join. Well, we'll see. You know, <laughs> I've been on the uh, Human Rights Commission. I've been on the Community Advisory Board. I've been on boards. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But I didn't realize. I always thought that the grand jury you had to have some sort of legal background. You know, you had to have some no. So that's wonderful. No, definitely not. In fact, we would really like to have people on the grand jury who don't have a legal background who are just 18 or thereabouts who would contribute their own ideas. We really want to achieve diversity on the grand jury. That was one of the things that I also worked on this year. I was on the outreach committee, and we really tried to get out to different community groups and tell them what the grand jury does and encourage them to apply. But also, the most important thing you said right now is get youth involved because exactly. it's, it's their future. And also to understand how to work in groups like this, how to negotiate, how to bring things forward to the community. Exactly. Well, we've come to the end of this very important segment. And any last words, like, for example, give a website. And again, explain how people can join. You know, I know we did it at the beginning, but let's just remind it for the people who are later turned in is is how you join and what what the process is there is an application to be on the grand jury on the superior courts website and if you google sonoma county civil grand jury application it will take you right there so filling out the application is the beginning applications are due by mid-april of each year You turn in the application, then you get called to a meeting where it's it's explained what the grand jury is about and what the time is involved and all that sort of thing. Then you're interviewed by a judge. And if you're found suitable, in other words, if you can play well with others and you can (laughs) speak English, you will usually be picked for the last part of the selection process, which is a lottery. I didn't get a chance to say that before. It's kind of funny. They have a little can with a crank on it, just like, you know, a game show, (laughs) and they open the little can and pull out names that are in the can, and that's how you find out if you've been picked or not. If you're a winner, (laughs) you're you're on the jury. And I understand you have... have people on the sidelines also if someone drops out or they also we do we have alternates they're called yes and is there a website what can you give us the website the website is sonoma county civil grand jury well barbara welsh i want to thank you from the bottom (laughs) of my heart you've been a wonderful wonderful guest for explaining all this and really this whole warming thing that you worked on congratulations that you were able to get it to the public and that there's going to be some changes it's it's very heartening to hear that our board of supervisors is listening to this and is working on some of the projects that you brought yes i think they're very conscientious and they truly want to promote change as well 
Well, that's really exciting to hear. Well, thank you again, Barbara Walsh. And I want to remind my uh, listeners that all the information that Barbara gave us will be on our website, www.womenspaces.com. And I think I'm going to encourage uh, Ken to uh, put the link on there. So, folks, if you're interested, you can read all about the grand jury. You can read about all about this year's decisions. Or you can go back back years. All that is documented on their on their website. Anyway, that's it for our show, folks. You know, you've been listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and I want to remind folks, the show will be aired again at 11 p.m. tonight, and I encourage people to listen to it. Also, we're on several uh, uh, several uh, podcasts, and again, all the information given here is on www.womenspaces.com. And a reminder, once again, remember, Our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of that. It's so important when we think about things. You know, I always talk to them, very good friends with one of the city council members, and he always tells me, and he walks up to me, he says, whenever I make a decision, I remember your words. Is it good for the children? Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She'll take you home. Now the woman in your life She can wait so easily She knows everything you do Because the woman in your life is you Because the woman in your life The woman in your life The woman in your life The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 26, 2023.